Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another edition of Return of the Historic Faith. I am your host, the Remnant Warrior, Pastor Jeremy Anderson, and this episode is another in our Real Conspiracies series. And I gotta say that the episodes that we've played in our Real Conspiracies series, this series has been the most popular series on the entire podcast. As a matter of fact, it's actually been the most popular episodes. They've gotten more plays and more downloads than any episodes, including the episodes of The Remnant Report. You know, Kingdom Productions has had, well, we've had several podcasts over the years, but as far as, we've got several podcasts now, but as far as the podcast that I was hosting, we've had two. And the first one was the Remnant Report, and it was awesome. Remnant Report ran for uh, going on three years. Well, it did run for three years. And then after the Remnant Report, Matthew Marcel and myself started Return of the Historic Faith. And out of both of those podcasts, the episodes that we played of the Real Conspiracies series have just been the most popular ever. And that's because they are really good. The information is awesome. And it doesn't hurt that the guests on each episode are extremely knowledgeable and extremely popular as well and today's episode will be continuing with Tom Horn and also um trying to remember everyone who's in this episode I know Tom Horn and Steve Quayle there may be one or two more in this uh, conversation because it's kind of uh, almost like a roundtable discussion, but you'll see what I'm talking about because right now, without any further ado, we are going to jump in episode three of the Real Conspiracy series, and episode three is psychotronic warfare part one all right guys enjoy radio host stephen quayle interviewed tom horn for more than four hours on the subject psychotronics what in the other world is going on this is the Reality Radio Network on Telstar 5 Transponder 5 and on the Internet at RealityRadioNetwork.com. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Q-Files. It's the 6th of February. The year is 2006. I'm Steve Quayle, and we're going to talk about some interesting uh, subject matter tonight until my guest comes on. Steve, is Tom on yet? Haven't heard from him. Okie doke. Uh, would you call him? Do you have his, his phone number? He must not be able to get through to you. Uh, hold on. Let me check and make sure. Can you email it to me? Yeah, I'll email it to you. Okay. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I had hoped to have Tom Horn on, but it seems like, and I know you're, some of you are going to think this is all hokey, but it seems like every time Tom and I try to get together on the radio or I try and interview him, it seems like somebody always, always, always is there 
to mess with us. And I, I, I can't explain it. It's just absolutely, uh, no, what can I say? It's just typical of what in a given day on uh, talk radio I get to put up with. And I say that not so much, uh, you know, with uh, crying in my beard, so to speak, but I'm just telling you, it just is uh, amazing to me. And again, that because of the nature of what we want to talk about tonight, I'm sure that uh, someone got a little bit upset, and if I can get him on, I'll get him on. In the meantime, I want you to know that given what's going on in the world, is obviously the rhetoric is increasing on the Iranian situation. I don't think that most people really can begin to fathom that this isn't another Iraq situation. This is a much bigger than that. You know, i got to tell you something. I can understand how the average American is so mixed up over the idea, does Iran have nuclear weapons or does it not? First of all, let me share this with you. For the past 18 years, Dr. Khan has pretty much been selling nuclear technology all over the world. And by the fact that we're now seeing Negroponte, the uh, head intelligence czar, saying Iran doesn't have nuclear weapons, well, we've got the head of the CIA, Porter Goss, saying they do have nuclear weapons, and everybody I've talked to from uh, intelligence agents, real guys, field operatives, to uh, uh, high-ranking military officials say they do have it, you've got to understand that something's bizarre. And so I stand by the story that I posted on my website that in 1999, uh, Iran detonated a nuclear weapon. That story was up for one hour before the Associated Press was ordered to take it down. After posting that article on my website, boy, talk about uh, a massive attack on all my electronics at my former store. Steve? I've told you the story. Yep. Tom's up. Okay, good. Hey, Tom, thank you. It seems like uh, we're going to be able to do a show together tonight. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me back on your show. Well, Tom, I think we need to really start talking about the uh, post. Oops, somebody's uh, echoing or beeping. Is that on your phone? I don't hear it. Okay. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you need to adjust volume. I'm, I'm trying to adjust the levels here. Okay. Uh, Tom, let's talk about the word that is becoming so important. Let's talk about post-humanism tonight. You and I have uh, parallel websites in that we both deal with the same uh, not same, similar subject matter, but let's talk about what you're really focusing on right now in, um, you know, what, what God has got your attention on and what you're writing about. Well, <clears throat> of course, I've been talking uh, to you a little bit via email about psychotronic warfare uh, based on some information that I had received recently. Um, and, and, and it has amazing ties to transhumanism and transgenic research, which, of course, you're more the expert than I am, but both of us have been involved for some time in the uh, investigation of how this research is occurring, uh, how it's being funded, what uh, laboratories here in the U.S. might be receiving uh, federal research grants for such things as uh, stem cell line uh, harvesting and cloning. And in particular, in my interest, of course, has to do with when we begin uh, altering living organisms so that they are no longer something that God made. Now, now we're now men are playing God, and they begin tinkering with things and crossing species barriers, uh, which God commanded us not to do. You know, Steve. <clears throat> here's the other thing that's ironic: is that for so long, guys like me and you had to look under every rock to find little pieces of information about what was going on in terms of transgenic and genetically modified organisms. And now, that I almost don't have enough space on the front page over at Raiders News Update some days to uh, cover the amount of uh, information, the, the volcano, the profusion now of information that's coming uh, our way. I'm just sitting here waiting to come on your program, and I was looking through some headlines uh, that I printed off of Raiders News Update, and it, uh, you know, the Observer this week had an article, uh, we're moving closer to the era of mind control, but they're talking about uh, alterations uh, within the human brain that might make it more accessible for computer downloading. Uh, we're cracking the neural code. In fact, the president's, and I know you probably talked about this on your show, the president's State of the Union, even uh, he uh, talked about the need for legislation that might uh, prohibit, I think he said, the most egregious 
abuses of medical research and human cloning, but he, he used the words creating human-animal hybrids. Uh, it's, it's, Steve, it's like we're living in the matrix. I mean, it's like we're living in a fantasy world to think that we need legislation or debates on ethical issues as it involves altering the human species, and yet we're boy, we're racing, we're racing forward to embrace transhumanism, and the level of uh, PhDs and the guys that are behind uh, this uh, this uh, need include people from Stanford Law School to people that sit on the President's Council for Bioethics. I mean, uh, we're really talking about something now. Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, some of the smartest men in the world that are non-Christians are proposing a word called singularity, and as you know, what technological singularity means is it's an event horizon in the predictability of human technological development past which present models of the future cease to give reliable or accurate answers. In other words, the whole thing is, we can sum it up in this, ye shall be as gods. Well, that's, that's right. In fact, that's the words that Leon Cass, who was the former chairman of the President's Council on Bioethics, used. That's exactly what he said. He said, we are standing right now at the boundary of what it defi defining what it means uh, to be a human being or an animal on the one side and a human being and a superhuman being on the other hand. And then he went on to say, maybe we're even talking about becoming a god. So, um, and yet, <clears throat> everything that we've seen so far, you, you have to ask yourself the question, uh, everything that we've seen so far uh, tells us that there could be real dangers in tinkering. I mean, we, we, there was an article this last week, Suicide Seeds Could Spell the Death for Farmers. There was another article, uh, Genetically Modified Peas Cause Dangerous Immune Response Problems. You and I have talked before about some of the testing that was done on some of Monsanto's uh, soy products that uh, caused rats to develop uh, unknown brain diseases and, and, and emphysema type uh, diseases and lung diseases and just uh, all these things and yet here we are boy we're racing full forward we're on fast forward uh, and and these little hiccups like Dr. Huang uh, falsifying some of his information really it, it, and I know it's not what we're going to talk about tonight but that really isn't going to do anything more than accelerate uh, some of the quest and funding for what uh, those on the inside uh, will believe will be the more reputable uh, scientific laboratories that can use the funds in the way that those funds are given. In fact, you know, I'm sure many of your uh, listeners are watching the World Trade Organization this week, and uh, there's been a lot of information coming out of the World Trade Organization that will apply to some of the uh, future uh, legal rights to the transhumanist movement, um, the um, human uh, enhancement and uh, uh, human uh, rights, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, the Human Enhancement Tech and Human Rights uh, Conference that's being held at Stanford is coming up here now in four or five weeks, six weeks, something like that, where they're going to be talking about, you know, what will be the rights of transhumanists in the near future. And they're talking in particular not just about things like cyborg assistance technology. They're talking about human animals and animal humans. Well, and, you know, Tom, we need to make a point here. If people don't believe that we're in the end times, you know, if people don't believe the statement of our Lord Jesus Christ when he said, except the days be shortened, there be no flesh left alive, if, if people don't understand the idea that there is a move on to destroy all humanity and the Bible details the design of the destroyer of men, whether it's Abaddon, Apollyon, or Satan and his minions, yet we have the technological advance that Daniel the prophet spoken about, knowledge increasing and abounding, and sealed up until the last days. But this is critical. You know, there was a time, and you know what it's like to be called crazy. I know what it's like to be called crazy. But when you point out that the President of the United States is talking about animal-human, human-animal hybrids, and when does a mouse become uh, an intelligent rat? My answer to that is, by the way, when he goes to law school. You know. <laughs> but beyond that... The point being is we've got a we've got now a quantum shift in the word life. We've got a quantum shift in what constitutes life, and we've got the soulless entities and let's call them that being brought about. You know, Ray Kurzweil is probably, in my opinion, one of the smartest men in the world. Again, not a Christian, but he's an amazing guy in the fact that he talks about the time when basically man become or ceases to be human and becomes the new man or the proto-man, and he's got other words for it,
But that's where we're that's where we're heading for. Where basically you live forever, you don't have to worry about disease or conquered. You have superhuman intelligence. What happens when you get two guys with superhuman intelligence fighting over the same, uh, let's say, new computer upload? You know, you've got then a super level of war unimagined. Well, and the thing, you know, you mentioned Ray uh, Kurzweil. That's exactly the language he uses, and he is a he is a, a brilliant futurist. And I say that not because I would necessarily agree with uh, perhaps what some of his ambitions are in terms of how this technology would be used, uh, but I think he's very accurate, and he, he and he's known by great thinkers to be a guy who can see, you know, what's just right around the corner. And you're exactly right. When he talks about transhumanism and genetic modification and alterations and, and also many of the other technological advances that we're uh, currently on the curve of right now, that's, those are exactly the words that he uses. He refers to it as a technological immortality, uh, the next step, basically, in human evolution. And he, and he actually says we are going to become godlike spirits inhabiting cyberspace as well as the uh, material universe. Well, <clears throat> when you hear a guy talking like that, uh, I, now I know, Steve, you would agree with me here, that we all want to live forever. I want to live forever, and and not just in the afterlife. I mean, I've got kids, I've got grandkids, I've got a wife. I want to be here. I want to enjoy uh, their lives. I want to help them. I want to be there for them. I don't want to leave them uh, alone. I don't want to suffer pain and death, and I don't think any reasonable person uh, does want to. But to me, I would have to draw the line if somebody said, it's like it's like Lucifer in the garden. If you eat this fruit... You can live forever, but and so they partake of the fruit, but they don't understand what the what the far-reaching ramifications uh, of what they just did was. And now they've actually brought death and destruction on themselves and and the and the and the, and the rest of the planet. And this is the kind of molecular biological nightmare that I'm afraid right now, Steve, as 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 genetic modification and transgenic science and all of this holds out the apple in the garden to us and says, if you just partake of this science, you can live forever. But on the other side of that participation, I think we've got death and destruction headed for us because this this goes back to Luciferianism. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. And uh, so I think, you know, there could be some good things that will come out of this science. And uh, and much of it, guys like me and you could even support, as long as it doesn't mean we we play God to the extent we begin changing uh, the creation uh, of God. But that's what they're doing. You know, I always make the statement, God always sets boundaries in the book of Genesis, whether it was the boundary for the sea that it wouldn't go beyond that, whether it was basically after God created everything in the book of Genesis, saw that it was good, you know, after its kind. You know, the point is, is that the mixing, and you know this from just basic Old Testament studies, the mixing of a different uh, uh, seed lines and, and everything was absolutely, uh, you know, forbidden by the Lord. And, and I'm talking, you know, animal-humans, and it was so much so that if a man laid with an animal, bestiality, that both the man and the animal had to be put to death. Right. And somebody said, well, why did the animal have to be put to death? The answer was because those guys that were lying with the animals weren't just normal human beings, although human beings got that from the fallen angels, but there was something being produced. And, you know, Tom, you and I have talked about the commonality of myth, the basis of all the different uh, uh, creation myths and everything, and you can't get away from the fact that the, d the destruction of God's creation as tantamount and paramount in the scope of things. And and, and now, uh, Steve, <clears throat> here's something that I that I uh, never knew before, and I had sent you an email a couple of weeks ago when I said uh, I'm astonished at something that I just received from a person uh, who is well placed to know what is occurring within some of the uh, funded government funded uh, laboratory work. And um, and I started kind of putting some of this together in my mind. And and when you're talking about the watchers who came down descended, and, and you're right, that mythos is repeated all around the world in all cultures: uh, the Greeks, the Romans, uh, the Assyrians, the Hebrews. Everybody tells the same story. And that these uh, that these unusual beings were the byproduct of this intermingling and altering of the living organisms. And um, 
I now believe something that I never even dreamt of, Steve, uh, a few weeks ago, and that is that at a very deep level, there was always something more to what the watchers were doing with uh, antediluvian cell matter than I had understood. And, and now that I see it, now that I understand it, 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 it blew my mind. It took me days <laughs> to be able to accept uh, what we were, what I was, what I was reading, what I was thinking about, and and really what it what it does is it provides a connection between some of the research that we're now seeing in transgenics and believe it or not, uh, psyop, psychological and psychotronic warfare. Um, I, I don't know. I, I suppose most of your listeners know what I mean when I'm talking about uh, psychotronic. You better define it because a lot of them don't. We have people all around the world, so why don't you define it simply? Okay, I'll just do it really quickly. And I and I and by the way, I even said that because I was on uh, the radio with a very smart person uh, earlier who also did not know what psychotronic warfare even means. Okay, psychotronic warfare. The idea is weapon mechanisms can be developed that disrupt the normal functions of the body and the mind. Um, the body has been compared to a computer uh, in that it operates uh, like a computer. It receives data, and it processes that data, and it interprets that data, and then we act according to the interpretation of the data. In other words, we have chemical electrical activity within our brain. We have our nervous system that sends signals through the body. Uh, from the cortex region of the brain to other parts of the body, telling our body what it ought to do. Um, we have the inner ear that has these small hair fibers that vibrate and produce auditory signals, and, and that also is interpreted by our, our computer called the body and tells us what to do. We have the cornea of the eye that processes visual activity, and our brain interprets that and tells us what to do. So, so psychotronics, then... Uh, which, by the way, uh, you were talking about the Soviet Union and all that right when I first came on, that in the Soviet Union and in China is where they've been most open uh, in the last decade about psychotronic uh, development. And anyway, the point being that these are mechanisms or weapons that are made that have as the intention to control or debilitate uh, persons or maybe even whole bodies of persons, whole groups of people, by distorting the data that their brain or their eyes or their ears are receiving, and therefore you cause people to do everything from hallucinate to perhaps uh, manipulate their perception of reality or maybe even incapacitate them. I don't know if you remember, Steve, uh, in my book, The Aramon Gate, there's this place where uh, the young Marine named Joe is running down the hallway of this research center, which, by the way, I called... Montero in the book, and you know a lot of people. If they're watching the World Trade Organization this week, they'll hear where Monsanto is trying to get these trade limitations, these import limitations in Europe dropped, so they can import their genetically modified crops over there. And and it didn't take a scientist for most people to kind of see through what I had done in the Armand Gate. Anyway, Joe's running down the hallway of Montero, and uh, he starts hearing this sound that he thinks is birds. And right away, he wonders if elf waves, uh, uh, extremely low-frequency waves, are being broadcasted along that hallway, uh, distorting his perception of reality. Well, that would be an example of a psychotronic weapon, a weapon designed to distort a, person, a person's ability to receive normal auditory or visual stimulus and to be able to interpret it like a normal human so that you could continue to function. Now, we've had people in the U.S. over the last decade that within our government that have said that there isn't anything to psychotronic warfare. Same people that deny that there are nuclear weapons in Iran and they happen to be highly placed disinformation agents. Well, that's exactly right. And part of what they've done is they've just changed some of the terms. They now call them uh, non-evasive, which isn't true, or they call them non-lethal. Yeah, non-lethal, and the whole the whole non-lethal weapon development program. I mean, that's that's like um, saying black is white. I mean, some of these weapons they just fielded a new microwave weapon last week that basically can cause incredible disorientation. How about mass hallucination? Do you realize? And I know you do. And this is a rhetorical question, Tom. But I think people need to realize that once they have 
broken the neural matrix and basically have the ability that through specific uh, waveform uh, modification that they can induce mass hallucination and get basically the voice of their God, not the God, you know, saying, lay down your weapons. I mean, they can do anything. And we saw that at the Branch Davidians when, uh, you know, the, they were going to uh, bring in, I think it was Charlton Hessner or somebody, with the voice and, and use um, infrasound to, uh, you know, convince everybody to come out. You know, that never happened. But interestingly enough, one of the most famous psychotronic uh, scientists in the world, as you know, is Dr. Igor Smirnov, like of the vodka name. Uh-huh. And and Smirnoff was in, uh, you know, Waco, Texas. And, and the bottom line is, is here you have the foremost Russian psychotronic uh, scientist helping out the powers to try and get control over a group, not individually, but in mass. Have you ever addressed the whole mass hallucination as it relates to the end times deception? Well, that's kind of where I'm going with what I'm talking about right now. Okay. Um and, uh, you know, you, you start talking about, uh, cracking the neural code, the brain's secret language, and, and, and there again, these are, these are news articles. There was a, there was an Associated Press article this week that you could have just written the headline for. So, uh, everybody needs to understand that you and I are not out here on the fringe any longer. Uh, what we've been talking about is coming at us like a freight train, and, uh, people need to know uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, maybe uh, that there there is a way for them to guard their mind. But there's there's in, there's there's weapons technology right now that may be being called non-invasive. It may be being called uh, non-lethal. Uh, but those are just new terms for psychotronic warfare, which is old school in in the Soviet Union and places like that. But also has been here. It just simply has been operating in SAPOC development and things that the public isn't even aware of until it's been uh, being uh, where it's been going on and being perfected for several decades before the public is suddenly made aware of its reality when it starts being used on the streets. Um, you, you, let me ask you this, too. You've talked about, and I, I don't want to lose this thought, you've talked about disclosure and obviously the malevolent entities that uh, are praying themselves around as saviors of the universe, i.e. our creators from another galaxy. Have you ever noticed that the whole history of psychotronics always leads back to the alien phenomenon, mm-hmm. and also, uh, you know, I, I just are you are you are you hearing any? What I guess I'm saying, Tom, are you hearing or being given any date or more on disclosure as it relates to this? Because it seems like with the the you know the voluminous amount of information that both you and I get, the the point is is that it seems like as disclosure gets closer. So does the voluminous amount of information of transhumanism. Yes, uh, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. Okay. And uh, Steve, you know, you know that at least with one of the people with whom I have uh, contact, uh, how he's been accurate every time he's ever gave us anything, and he's always ahead of the curve. And and the information I'm talking about now came directly from him, and it relates to official disclosure. The one thing I haven't received yet, and it's okay for me to say this, I have a 1,500-page official document, and I expected this two weeks ago, and I still haven't got it. And right now I'm under a, uh, a blackout where I'm not even, I can't even communicate with this particular person. Does that and not seem a little strange? It seems, no, uh, and, and it doesn't seem strange to me because of the way I was told uh, to just stay out of the pocket for a little while. Uh, it, there wasn't anything in the language that, that led me to believe this is because there was, you know, uh, any problem for him. Uh, what it, what, what I, I kind of read between the lines, what it meant was that there is a significant increase right now uh, of government, uh, you know, overviewing the activities of different persons in different uh, strategic places within the government and the Pentagon and the National Security Agency and, and so on, and that some of these guys, you know, who, who uh, don't necessarily agree with, with some of what's going on, and they have a habit, and they have had for a long time, of leaking little pieces of information at the appropriate times to different news sources that they believe can get the information out there to the right people. They channel the information in the right way. Um, these guys are just being particularly careful uh, right now. 
and and I think it has to do with what we're going to see happening in the U.S. and around the world probably this year and next. Uh, you, you don't have to look any further than the budget uh, that was just announced to see where where the cutbacks are being made and where the increases by the billions of dollars are being made to get some smell for what the administration thinks is going to be happening in the next few months. And so some of these guys are just, they're just being careful. It's just it's additional safeguards. Okay, but now uh, are you free to talk about the other document you already received or not, the 400-pager? Well, I am going to talk about it a little bit right okay. now. Okay, go ahead, because I'm, I'm going to skip uh, uh, our commercials because this stuff is too important. Well, you know, if you need to take your commercials, Steve, I know you got to pay the bills. Well, let's just go, and maybe I'll take them a little bit later than normal. Okay. Well, look, <clears throat> some, year, some years ago, and let me just kind of leap forward here. Some years ago, uh, Timothy Thomas, I don't know if you're familiar with his name, but he, he wrote an article for a military publication. I think it was called Perimeters. Uh, an article that was uh, was kind of went all over the internet and uh, military uh, magazine, and the article was called "The Mind Has No Firewall." Yep, I remember reading that. Yeah, and and you know he, he was one of the early guys that was talking about some of the experiments that was happening not just overseas in other countries, but here in the United States. Some of the things we were investigating and involved in and researching. Um, and, and his conclusion in that article, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember it, but I remember his conclusion was that not only could the uh, human body, uh, does the human body operate like a computer, but that therefore it could be deceived, it could be manipulated, it could be misinformed. And all one would have to do are, it would be to develop systems. Beyond propaganda, by the way, we're not just talking about propaganda, which has been a, a psychotonic tool for a very long time. Um, but but develop uh, systems that can actually manipulate brain waves and and, and uh, colors that affect the visual eye. And, and we know we know just and the government can deny it all they want. But we know just in the private sector uh, what psychotronics can do. You know we know that strobe lights will induce epileptic seizures uh, in certain people. And I know your listeners could remember a few years ago uh, when those Japanese kids were watching a cartoon. I don't I think it was Pokemon or something like that. Yeah, it was. And, and, and the color of the light and the rapidity of the flashing of the strobe was just such that it caused kids all over Japan to start having these seizures. Now, some people believe that that was an experiment uh, to see if that type of psychotronic warfare would work. It doesn't even matter whether it was an experiment or not. It illustrated that by manipulating uh, the uh, uh, cornea reception of the eye, you could begin debilitating large masses of uh, people that would that could be a psychotronic uh, weapon. Some of the weapons that Russia admitted to working on were uh, psychotronic generators that produced these electromagnetic emanations that they said could even be get this, Steve could even be uh, broadcast through telephone lines and television and radio networks and supply pipes and even incandescent lamps. I mean, they were doing, they were doing all kind of fantastic uh, experiments in which they thought they could incapacitate. Basically, uh, entire bodies of people, cities, if they if they wanted to. Uh, some of their publications were talking about how that could create uh, feelings of depression or fear or panic or terror or despair. And I got to tell you, uh, it, that's scary based on what I received from my uh, buddy. Uh, and 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 one of the things that he one, and and I haven't got a chance now to follow up with this, but one of the things he said to me and. And uh, in this uh, in this material I received, he he actually said, "Watch this year if there is not a test period." Uh, and, and and get this now now I I've got to find out how what he meant by this a test period in which Christians in particular will be facing this uh, panic, terror, uh, fear. I don't know if that if that if he means by that that that's connected to official disclosure or if he's talking about some kind of other uh, psychotronic uh, manipulation. But I do know that uh, you know Colonel uh, John Alexander uh, 25 years ago uh, was talking about psychotronics and uh, and he said that the low frequency emissions not only could possess psychoactive um, Characteristics and that it could be used to induce depression or in, uh, irritability, but he said it could be manipulated so that even specific target populations 
because of uh, of the way our brains function. In this uh, article, this Associated Press article this last week on cracking the neural codes, brains' uh, secret language, they were talking about how that uh, marketers now have studied brainwave activity, and they see that certain parts of the brain act up, uh, will light up. A person goes into a grocery store. This is one of the illustrations they used. And uh, they buy Cheerios, and a different part of their brain will actually light up under this testing as uh, from when they're buying some other type of thing in the store, showing that different portions of the brain react to what we like or dislike, uh, what we want or crave or don't crave, whether we're hungry or we're not hungry. And so given several decades, Steve, of experimenting in brainwave, brainwave activity, oh, man, we're way beyond what we're reading in the public now about, uh, you know, uh, brain um, lie detector testing using brain mapping and stuff. Uh, you know, that's all just out there right now. It's for public consumption. It's being adapted into our social structure, into our culture. But holy cow, you got to know that, that with unlimited research budget dollars and decades of experiments with things that are way beyond congressional review, uh, that we've learned to manipulate this science in a way. In fact, in fact, as far back as 1977, the Defense Intelligence Agency, through the Freedom of Information Act, the declassified uh, report was uh, was uh, obtained that said that they were at, at in 77 they were at a point where psychotronic technology could be used to quote create the ultimate Big Brother society by using electronic mind control against populations to implant ideas and thoughts into the heads of unsuspecting victims. And a quote from a quote from that article says, "Sounds and possibly even words, which appear to be originating intracranially, that is within your own head, could be induced by signal modification at very low average power densities. They're talking about very low frequency waves and extremely low frequency waves, such as we, you know, fictionalized in the Armand game. Well, and, and I think too, you carried a story that I linked to." On Raiders News, I think it was last week that basically they're planning on, you know, on the whole thing, truth and lie, or lie detection will no longer be a uh, problem because there are certain parts of your brain that react differently to truth versus lies. Have you ever thought about scanning Christians? You brought it up that they're going to try their best. I have always thought, and, and you know, just in the back of my mind, that it won't be a confession thing. They'll basically target people by specific brainwave patterns that they have uh, defined as unique to Christians. And before anybody thinks that's crazy, I interviewed a number of years ago Frank Dukes from, uh, he's the guy that wrote the book The Secret Man. He was Bill Casey of the CIA's enforcer for renegade agents. And he told me back, I think this was in about 1995, Tom, mm -hmm. he told me then that from specific satellites, they at that time could pick out infrared signatures of specific individuals. So now, if that was 10-year-old technology and some of the new satellites they put up, and then you tie in this infrasound or the intracranial manipulation of brainwave patterns, you've got something that I think no one, to my knowledge, has ever addressed what we're talking about tonight. Oh, no. And, and now, Steve... Uh, in the words of Captain James E. Kirk, let's go where no man has gone before. Absolutely. In terms of psychotronic warfare. And for those of you that just don't believe this, please go on the web after Tom and I are done and type in psychotronic. P-S-Y-C-H-O-T-R-O-N-I-C. And then also type in the word singularity in a, in a different search. S-I-N-G-U-L-A-R-I-T-Y. If you start putting those two things together, you'll see absolutely, like you said at the beginning, this is nothing more than a technological apple that promises everything but leads to destruction. Why did over 13,000 government and military computers, including the Pentagon, NASA, Southcom, and Northcom lock onto the Q-Files the same night Steve Quayle interviewed Tom Horn on his new book, The Aramon Gate. 
the Araman Gate brings the reader face to face with the return of the Nephilim. Dr. Lynn Marzulli, best-selling author of the Nephilim Trilogy. Derek Gilbert from Watcher Magazine says cross Tom Clancy with Frank Peretti and you might get something close to the Araman Gate, the new supernatural techno-thriller from husband and wife authors Tom and Nita Horne. In the Araman Gate, Tom and Nita Horn, national spokespersons for Cloud 10 Pictures Movie Deceived, starring Louis Gossett Jr. and Judd Nelson, take you on an incredible journey to out-of-control technology, masquerading demons, and prophetic possibilities in the classic styles of Dean Koontz and John Saul. Learn for yourself why the Araman Gate is the number one all-time best-selling novel by VMI Publishers. Endorsed by legendary ufologist Dr. I.D.E. Thomas, as well as over 45 five-star reviews. To order your copy of the Araman Gate and for a limited time receive a free gift with every purchase, log on to RaidersNewsUpdate.com. That's www.RaidersNewsUpdate.com. The Araman Gate. Some gates should not be opened. And now, I, I want to make a couple of assumptions because I want There's there's two more steps, and I know we've got less than a half hour, so I'm going to go really quickly. There's there's two more steps that I'd like to take in this idea about uh, how does transgenics and uh, psychotronic warfare. Uh, how do these two things work together, and how is that related to the book of Genesis, the watchers, the manipulation of ancient DNA, and where we are today and where we will be in the very near future? To do that, I want to make uh, just some really quick assumptions that even if your listeners don't necessarily agree to that theological or worldview, they can at least believe it as being theoretically possible, hopefully. Um, and I'm sure they will because they listen to you and they know that you're an expert in this field. Number one, that the altering of human DNA in the Old Testament was done by fallen watchers, fallen angels, uh, for their own devious reasons. Won't go into that explanation right now. Number two, that among the reasons that those fallen angels altered human DNA was for the trans, was so that that transgenic altering of the human DNA uh, would create an enhancement which would allow for offspring of angels and women, which became the Nephilim, the giants, the Gaborim uh, of the Old Testament. Number three, that somehow that altering of human DNA caused the human test subjects to become suitable hosts for fallen angels. Um, it changed them. Uh, it, 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 there is something here that is so deep and profound, a whole show needs to be dedicated to it. But when God created the human race, he stood back and he said, it is ta'ud, is the Hebrew word. It's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly right. And by, by that, what God was saying is, this is, can be, is and can be, a tabernacle for my spirit. A tabernacle for the Holy Spirit. God made man, and we knew this in both the Old and New Testament, that, that we are created to be a tabernacle for God's spirit, not only for our own spirit. Now, in our book, The Arm on Gate, we fictionalize something that I had understood to some extent, but not nearly as deep as what I can comprehend it now, and that is that in order for the human to become um, a suitable host, in this case for the demon Apollyon, Apol, Leon had to be changed. He had to be engineered at the genetic level in order for this spiritual force to be able to take up habitation uh, within him. Number four, that the transgenic altering of organisms in the Old Testament. Now, here's where we begin to hit the nail on the head. According to the apocryphal book of Enoch and some other uh, suedepigrapha and apocryphal books, that at the uh, the altering of human DNA happened simultaneously to alterations or sins, like uh, as uh, Enoch says, against birds and beasts and reptiles, animals. Now ask yourself the question, if the only reason that watchers came down and involved themselves with women was because of their beauty, why did they also set about this involvement to alter animals at the genetic level. Why were they doing that? And, and Steve, at the deepest level of transgenics and psycho, psychotronic warfare, I think uh, we find the answer. And it is a level of transgenic uh, motivation 
that I never thought of, I never understood until this information came to me. Steve, are you familiar with the idea that animals can see spirits? Absolutely. And there's a biblical precedent for that in the book of Numbers, where uh, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn, going to take off dumb Balaam's head, and Balaam keeps beating the donkey, trying to get him back on the road, and the donkey keeps turning out of the way. Modern researchers uh, also believe that uh, animals potentially can see invisible things. I mean, they've done research. I mean, and in fact, some of your listeners have probably at one time or another in their life saw a dog barking at nothing or watched animals suddenly erratically change their behavior and become angry or become afraid and run and hide under the bed. Something that we can't see, something that seems to affect them in a way that it doesn't affect us. Now, we also know that the animal kingdom have senses or ability to uh, receive information either visually, auditorially, uh, some other instinct uh, with them that they know when storms are coming, they'll begin migrating out of the way of uh, earthquakes or tsunamis. Uh, they can smell the breath of individuals and tell if they have tumors. I mean, they have, they, they have this capacity which it appears that we do not have. And I think, and, and there again, this is another whole this is another whole Bible study that has to do with the fall of man and what happened to our brain when it happened and how we lost uh, some of the diaphonetic marks that were connected to the name of Adam, which referred to his ability to speak as God speaks and sees as God sees, and how all of that changed after he became Amon, Red Earth Man. Man became something less than what he was. We lost capacity. We lost ability. Uh, and yet the animal kingdom may not have uh, lost some of those abilities to see and uh, interact with the spiritual world. Now, <clears throat> animals don't seem to like some of these spirits, uh, like Balaam's donkey. I mean, they, they, they want to avoid them. They want to get away from them. Uh, and I can tell you, Steve, uh, a personal experience. When I, was a, uh, when I was still a pastor and I was uh, also part of an exorcism team, in fact, I was the head exorcist, uh, on that team. And in the 1980s, I can tell you, uh, boy, we, we performed an exorcist on a young man, an exorcism on a young man, and when the demons came out of him, horses across the road uh, in the field went crazy, started batting the air with their hooves and ran to the other side of this field and were jumping against the fence. And I remember every dog in the county started howling uh, at the same time. And that told me something about the animal and their ability uh, to perceive or see uh, these uh, spiritual forces. And in most cases, they don't like them. Now imagine, Steve, and, and you know I'm famous for my little bedtime stories, imagine that a black budget research arm of the federal government understood that connection between animals and the ability to see the spirit world in ways far surpassing uh, what you and I have been allowed to ever no. And imagine that that department had unlimited dollars to conduct transgenic research uh, beyond congressional oversight, beyond congressional review, and that just like they've deciphered the genetic code of, of humans and so many other animals and beings, and they've learned what each gene does and how it affects us and how it affects our behavior, imagine that they deciphered the genetic parts of animals, or at least a particular animal, that make it capable of seeing and interacting with the spirit world. And they came to understand how that Old Testament Nephilim were doing exactly that same thing. And that this is why, to some extent, the, uh, ne the persons who became the suitable hosts, downloaded into by the Watchers, became known as Nephilim, the fallen ones. They became conduits for spiritual beings that animals can see, and now potentially the Nephilim can see, but we can't see. Now imagine that this research arm of the government is not as smart as animals, and they don't run away. And men genetically altered humans, genetically changed beings who no longer are what God created, a tabernacle for the Holy Spirit, have now become something different. A tabernacle they, are now devils. they are now suitable tabernacles uh, who believe the false promises of these multidimensional beings, these demons. 
and they conjure with them. They get in league with them. Uh, they allow these powerful forces to take them. Uh, and, and if this has been happening for 30 years, uh, Steve, imagine uh, <laughs> you would have the possibility of human-like beings living among us who can conduct psychotronic warfare at a level never conceived before because now you would have a generation of transgenic New World Order soldiers living among us and these are beings that can conjure with spirits we can't they can they can interact with intelligences we can't even see but spirits about whom the bible says that we are at war with them we are on a battleground and in that battleground we are fighting for our psychotronic capacity we're fighting for our mind our senses the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life the ability to control uh, our thoughts and uh, this, Steve, would be the ultimate psychotronic uh, warfare, and maybe even something worse. There, this is the third step. There could be an additional reason for demons using animals uh, in the Old Testament, and, and I think it's the next step down the rabbit hole. And as you know, because I've been on your program before, uh, I believe that the use of animals as part of this equation in the Old Testament, but also today, is not coincidental. We are repeating an activity, and we're doing it on purpose. It's not like we're dumb, at least not at the highest levels. It's not like we're dumb and we're just stumbling into the same trap. We are in communicado. We are in communication with beings that we think are super-intelligent, multi-dimensional beings. And, and 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 we are in league with them to some extent. Well, yeah, and, and the deal is, is whom you yield yourself to, you basically become the servant of. And, and see, that's what, that's what I, you know, you know when you and I get together on the radio, you know who everybody from three-letter and four-letter agencies are on, especially, you know, being fascinated by the stuff that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But you also have the situation, Tom, where, where based on, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole idea of replacement man, I call them transmorphic demonic entities, okay? Transmorph, some people just call them, you know, morph, some people call them transforms. I like to make it clear that they're transforming, uh, they're transformed demonic entities. So what you're laying out is absolutely the basis for the whole realm. You know, when, when we're talking about the world of uh, the supernatural, most people you know, think it's either bunk or they just, they don't want to deal with it because it's too scary to a lot of people. Yet the Bible says the things that are created were made out of things that are, are not seen. Right. So spirit basically exists before material and or the material realm. So the point is, is that what you're laying out is the end time uh, uh, army of the minions of the devil and what's fascinating, I don't know, you did read the uh, prophecy I sent you from the lady that didn't yes. know anything about Nephilim. Yes. Didn't you find that interesting where the Lord himself said, they won't believe you now, but they will when they see it? Put, put, put cold chills up my spine. Yep. And, I mean, that's an amazing statement, you know, because here's a young lady that doesn't listen to you, doesn't listen to me, and Jesus is giving her this vision. And I'll tell you what. Confirmation. That, yeah, it's confirmation, but it's also confirmation that they won't believe. You know, they just won't believe it. And so, if you if you would uh, if you would like to uh, you know put that now rush that that into modern day context, you have a bunch of people out there, as you know, you wrote the Araman Gate, you know, just basically trying to locate and open every Stargate, uh, basically unchain every chained one, you know, the the whole thing. And you brought up an interesting uh, 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 scripture passage in Ezekiel that's amazing. Uh, I think, what was it, Ezekiel 13, uh, about the bands? You know, I had said... Yes, yes. the taught. Yeah, explain that to people, because that's pretty interesting, because most people, unless they go into uh, the Hebrew and, and understand, in King James it says pillows, but I went to the word for pillows, and it basically breaks, brings it right back to bands. Yeah, uh, you know, that had to do with some research that I was doing years ago, and I only thought of it because of the email that you sent me, 
uh, and the talk about giants with these bands on their arms. And, and it simply reminded me of that portion in Ezekiel where he says, I will break those bands, and this is God talking, I will break those bands and I'll free those souls that you have imprisoned. And I remember years ago, when I was looking at that portion of Scripture, I, brother, I dug everywhere trying to figure out what in the world was Prophet Ezekiel talking about. And it was interesting that it went into Greek mythology, and it went into the Bacchanalia, and uh, the worship of Dionysus, and how they used these um, magical incantations uh, to... Uh, I don't want to use the word zombie, but so that your listeners can understand kind of some idea what I'm talking about here, it was a it was a magical incantation that employed the use of of these gold bands that were placed or shackled around their wrists and shackled around their feet, and it and it and what it did was it it created uh, kind of a canister, it created a, a a device that controlled their spirit, it controlled their soul, it allowed it, it created a zombie situation from which that person or individual could no longer function normally until those bands were broken. Well, it would be one thing, Steve, if that was only referred to in Greek mythology, but the fact that God, through the prophet, spoke of it as if it was uh, it was real, it worked. It was and, a matter of fact, you know. It was and, 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 and that's the whole, that, that gets into the whole scripture, too. Let us uh, break their bands asunder. You know, let us cast their bands asunder. In other words, it's the evil entities that have been, if you will, imprisoned that get released. You know, Tom, I think it's fascinating that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they, they you know, there's the uh, thought that everything that's in the book of Revelation has already happened. Well, you know, the whole idea of uh, that which has been imprisoned being released, and, you know, whether it's the Tigris and Euphrates, the angels that have been bound up there, the uh, devil being cast out from one of the heavens, you know, where he accuses the brethren night and day. Mm-hmm. Well, the point is is that I think that what people have got to realize is we are now in a realm of science mm-hmm. and that is now no longer, quote, uh, Darwinian or evolutionary or uh, chance. We are in a realm now where even the scientists who believe in singularity are talking about the point that something happens where inanimate objects take on animation. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and, and, and by the way, you and I talked not too long ago about the incarnation of the Antichrist as part human, part demon, and uh, following that conversation that I had with you, I was inspired, and I remember at the time I was writing this series on stargates, ancient rituals, and those invited through the portal, and by the way, that's being edited right now as an ebook version, and then at some point in the future it'll come out uh, in book form, and I've talked to you privately about that. But uh, but uh, there seems to be a need, Steve, whether we're talking about demons or uh, aliens. You know, in the secular ufology camp, they often talk about uh, the superintelligent, multidimensional beings. Uh, but they don't use words. They don't always use words. Some of them have, but they don't always use words like you and I use in terms of uh, demonology and angelology. They just refer to these as uh, multidimensional, invisible beings that come in and out of our, uh, you know, our realm of existence using some form of science that we don't comprehend. But isn't it interesting, Steve, that they they seem to need some kind of vital energy. They need they need uh, created matter in order to animate. Uh, themselves. They need the trees or animals or organic structures or or something. Vital energy is is uh, is what some of them have referred to it as. Right. That's the basis of vampirism too. They need you know the Bible says the life is in the blood. There is a life force. There is a God given life force that these and they're, they're basically, if you will, supernatural parasites. And 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 in order to create this uh, three dimensional uh, life form. They seem to require some kind of construct material. Now, the interesting thing about that is that tells us that it is God alone who possesses this power. You know, in the Hebrew it says Hayah. The, it's the let there be. It's, it's the ability for God to speak, bara, for God to say words and to command that atomic and subatomic uh, energy and nuclear energy uh, comes forth into a particular molecular form that then can actually replicate uh, itself. Well, you know, you even you even see the the the, the witches that uh, opposed uh, Moses 
throwing down their rod and it becomes a rod and but and they could mimic many of the things that happened during the exodus but then when moses begins to call life out of nothing they can't do it they can't create life from the dust of the earth only god has the power to do that so now these beings they they can't create life but they seem to be able after the fact to be able to manipulate uh, created matter in order to construct these three-dimensional expressions for themselves. And that was the thing that I had not got, Steve, about the watchers of the Old Testament and psychotronic warfare. That uh, the, the fact that they, I had never understood that they had to use animals and take that matter to, to realign the genetic structure of human females in order to change those beings into suitable hosts that they then could come through and begin to procreate uh, after themselves. And, uh, you know, my, 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 uh, my dear friend, Dr. I.D.E. Thomas, um, talked to me recently about republishing his book, The Omega, uh, the Omega Syndrome, or whatever the name of his book is. Yeah, that was a great book, by the way. It is, and I and I'm just I'm so fa- I'm so excited about the idea of republishing it. His publisher went out of business, and and so now it's there, and I'm negotiating with him about that. But he, you know, he said he said that's why Tom, that's why animals are killed or mutilated or stolen in these areas where these UFOs appear. And of course, uh, John Keel talked about that in Invisible College. The the need for these beings to be able to materialize or to take some kind of definite form. They seem to require some kind of energy, uh, living things, plants or trees or human mediums or, or something to give them that vital living energy that they can use then to reconstruct into some kind of physical form. And that this is why dogs and animals tend to vanish in these UFO flap areas. Well, Tom, you know, based on your schedule, we got to take this on. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this may seem really difficult for some of you to grasp, but for those of you that can, I would submit to you take it to prayer because there's so much getting ready to happen. Tom Horn, thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. Hey, Steve, thank you. I love your show. I always like being on. You're the man. Well, thank you very much. Good night, everyone.